0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Scott Mautz about best practices of the most successful middle managers. Scott Mouts, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me, John. Looking forward to it. so be fun.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have a conversation with you today. We've been preparing for this episode for a little while now, and you have a lot of back, you know, great background and expertise, uh, and focus in your work around the role of middle managers, the middle management, and how we can more successfully utilize middle managers within an organization to drive positive outcomes for their teams. Uh, And so today we're gonna focus on best practices of the most successful middle managers and talk about things like leading up and leading down and across the organization. uh, And, you know, really the the important and critical role that quote unquote middle managers play within successful organizations. As we get started, I just wanted to share Scott's bio with everybody. Scott Mouts is a high-octane business inspirational speaking expert at igniting peak performance and deep employee engagement, motivation, and inspiration. He's a Procter and Gamble's veteran who successfully ran several of the company's largest multi-billion-dollar businesses. The multi-award-winning author of "Make It Matter" and "Find the Fire," faculty at the Indiana University. Kelly School of Business and was previously a columnist at Inc.com with nearly 2 million monthly readers. He's a frequent national publication and podcast guest and can't wait to talk with us today about his new book coming out soon, May 18th, titled Leading from the Middle, a playbook for managers to influence up, down, and across the organization. The book is a love letter to the backbone of every organization and yet those who are too often overlooked the middle manager. I, I think that's a perfect framing for our episode today. It's great to to learn more about you, and I'm excited to have this conversation. Before we jump on in, anything else um, that you would like to share with listeners by way of background, personal context, anything like that uh, to shape the conversation?
1: Yeah, no, no worries at all. Just to, so your listeners and followers understand, John, uh, I kind of pride myself on being a jack of all trades. You know, I, I get a chance to. Uh, Teach executive education classes at uh, Indiana University, and along with the a number of books that I write, uh, the the blogs that I write, the articles that I write, and the keynotes that I give, I'm also a research nerd at heart. <laughs> so, so what I talk about today comes from decades of experience, but also reams and reams of research uh, that we've been. Focused on for the last 15 years, especially on uh, middle managers, which we'll, which I'll get to uh, in, in a little bit. And and uh, folks might want to know, I'm also kind of a a, a closet uh, want to be funny guy. I uh, did stand up comedy, uh, you know, in the, my grad school days to earn beer money at night. So I like to uh, have fun uh, while I'm working hard. You know, I believe in relaxed intensity. You know, work hard, play hard. Don't take yourself too seriously. So I'm just uh, glad to be here today to talk about these uh, these forgotten heroes, the, the middle managers.
0: Yeah, and I honestly, I think that is so true. That's a really great way to start the conversation is we have this huge group of people that are so vital to the success of any organization. and they often get dumped on and they get pulled you know they get <laughs> they get crushed from all sides, you know, all the pressures that that managers face. Um, so let's start with some definitions. So first of all, what would you consider, um, like what counts or would you classify as middle managers within an organization?
1: Yeah, a middle manager, John, is anyone who has a boss and is a boss. And as part of their job has to lead up, down, and across the organization to influence and get their job done. A lot of folks say middle management. Okay, that's not me. I'm, I'm a bug. Okay, unless if you're the CEO, Unless if you're a new hire, by definition, you're a middle manager. You know, if you, ha- if you are a boss and have a boss, you're in this uh, lovely, lovely group. And we're going to talk today about how to take massive pride in that and ignore the uh, cultural stigma that gets placed on middle managers by, at least in the U.S., by shows like The Office and Michael Scott and cartoons like Dilbert. That position middle managers is bumbling bureaucrats, which is far from the case.
0: Oh, you know, sometimes the those those uh, those shows are funny and the, the comics are funny because there's some of it rings true, uh, but they're stereotypes clearly and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think of, for example, I'm in the HR space. And I often talk about Toby from the Office being the unfortunate poster child <laughs> for HR. Um, you know, like the most unfortunate kind of caricature of of HR. Now, are there is there truth to it? Sure, there is some truth to it, but it's obviously not actually though, you know, the way it is most of the time for most people, and the same thing with management and, and middle management. And one of the things I like to think about, because you are using a very inclusive definition of middle managers, like some people would say, anyone at the executive level or above doesn't count as middle managers. Yeah. But to your point, you know, if you have a boss that you report to, and you have people that report to you, you know, you're, you're in the middle, and you do receive pressures from all sides, and you have to be able to manage up, down, okay. and across to be effective in your role. Um, And to that, you know, you specifically use the word leading up, down and across. Management, effective management is Good leader, like you have to be a good leader to be an effective manager. Now right. they're not they're they're complementary skill sets. So you can be a pretty good manager without being an, a good leader, and you can be a good leader without being a good manager. And I've had plenty of those experiences in my life, and you probably have too. Right. Um, so what we're really shooting for is everyone within the organization who has some sort of response, supervisory and managerial responsibility, understanding and embracing. Um, their role, their potential as leaders and change makers within the organization. And if, if the organization, right. you know, from the CEO on down, if they're, if, if they're going to, to develop, maintain and sustain you know, a healthy culture in a strategic direction that helps the organization bring value to the market, that doesn't happen by a charismatic CEO laying out a strategy and like saying, here are our values and this is what we're gonna do. While that's good, Like you need all of the different rungs, the different middle managers, who are gonna end up being the people that take it to the line employees who actually produce and create. And that's where the magic happens or doesn't happen and where the, the organization's going to be successful or it's going to fail.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. You know, you, you, you don't need to be the leader to be a leader. <laughs> And uh, you're so right. The magic happens in the middle. You know, it's pretty fascinating. We have all kinds of data on the importance of middle managers to an organization, John. And We, we, know, we now know that a high-quality middle manager is, adds more productivity to the workforce. Just taking one middle manager and making them incrementally better is more productive to the workforce than adding a brand new member to a team middle managers in and of themselves, they account for almost 25% of incremental revenue in an organization. That's three times what people that are specifically in innovation roles produce. So yeah, I I really, I mean it from the heart when I say, uh, you know, my book, Leading from the Middle, it's a love letter to so many of us that are in this band of brothers and sisters called the middle manager.
0: Well, very, very good. I, I love that. And I love the idea of it being you know, uh, a love letter, uh, just recognizing the value uh, of of these individuals that do exert so much influence on the success, you know, of the organization and the employee experience, the the, the experience of the people at work. Um, All all of that is just so, so vital. So I, I guess we're already getting to the point of talking about why middle managers are so important to an organization. Um, okay. And we've kind of alluded to even why leading from the middle can be so challenging because you are going up and down and across and you have all these unique, you know, constituents and stakeholders that you're trying to communicate diff- in different ways to, right? To be effective. Um, so That's let's right. dig into that a little bit more. And, you know, h- how do you approach that? If I, Especially if I'm a new manager, I'm new to managerial, a managerial role. Yeah. Um, And, and now I find myself in the, in the situation where, you know, I think a lot of people think now they're in a management role and as long as they can gain the respect and trust of their people, like on their team, you know, they, they can be successful. Well, that's a, that's an important piece of it. But I think what you, you were probably going to tell us is that, you know, that's only a a slice of the pie. Like there's more to it than that.
1: There's a lot more to it than that. And we should, we know we should probably start with. Well, what is it about the middle management role that makes it so dang exhausting and so challenging? And, you know, we, we have to build beyond the world that we're in now, right? Everybody is exhausted managing remotely, right? And, you know, as I often like to say, people have to remember, though, that whether you're managed remote or not, it's still leadership. And you call on a lot of the basic principles and tenets of that when you're leading remotely, But it, you know, it's exhausting. And then on top of that, there's kind of a secret ingredient for why middle managers are so exhausted and so tired. And it's what psychologists call micro transitions, which means the middle manager has to wear 10 zillion hats. And the constant changing of hats throughout the day is now proven through neuroscience and psychology to be exhausting. For example, one moment, you have to take a deferential uh, stance to your boss. The next moment, you got to be more authoritative authoritative with your employees. The next moment, you got to be more collaborative with your peers. Sometimes, John, that happens in the same meeting. (laughs) And what we're now learning, brain research is showing is that constant switching, that micro transitions. It is exhausting on top of all the other things that you have to worry about. So one of the things that you know I talk about and I teach in the book is okay. So if that's true, what can you do about it? Because if you're a middle manager, you can't say, "Okay, I've got the answer. I'm going to wear less hats." In your experience, down would that work out well? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> your job is still your job. So I, what I, I often that, wish
0: you know, I often yeah. wish that were the case. That would certainly <laughs> right. simplify my life.
1: Right. 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 Uh, now, can, can you, you know, prioritize and take away some hats for sure, but by nature of the beast, when you're in the middle, leading up, down, and across, you wear a lot of hats. So a fascinating thing, fascinating thing occurred in our research, you know, and I interviewed, surveyed, focus groups, spent time on the front lines with well over 3,000 successful middle managers for my book, Leading from the Middle, and we discovered something really interesting, John, that the most successful middle managers have found a way to take this exhausting reality of microtransitions and mentally reframe it. And they have found really inspirational reframes to think about their job in a whole new light. I'll share just a few reframes I heard that inspired me. I remember uh, one woman uh, from a company uh, I won't name, it was based in Iowa. She was telling me about regarding all these hats. She just sees all these microtransitions. She doesn't see her job as segmented. That in truth, All the jobs are integrated into one job. These 100 jobs add up to one job that she is uniquely suited to do. And she takes pride in that. I heard another middle manager from Minnesota, from a company in Minnesota that won't be named, that said something that I wrote down and the quote made the book. He said, look, Scott, when I'm feeling exhausted with all these, the constant changing in my day, I just remember my job is to think like an engineer and feel like an artist. And that was like a mic drop moment to me. I'm like, wow, that makes a ton of sense. So as a middle manager, you have to be process-oriented. You have to think analytically. You have to move things forward and, and use systems. But at the same time, you have to be empathetic. You have to understand that that's a unique role you play in the middle. And everybody wants an ear to, to lean on. That's what you know artists do. And I, I thought that the duality of that was, was really, really powerful. And then one last reframe I heard that really I thought was great was, uh, someone in a company in uh, Indiana, told me that they see themselves as the keeper of the long and the short-term flame, that they work on the business and in the business. And only people in the middle that lead up, down, and across have that privilege. So I talk a lot more about this in the book, but, you know, the first thing is you have to understand it's exhausting, but you can mentally reframe your role in the middle is something very special and unique that only you are suited to do. And it's very energizing. It's very energizing. Think about it that way.
0: organizations, and work. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. I completely agree. I think it is so important for anyone who finds themselves In any of those kind of middle roles within an organization to not, don't, don't allow yourself to fall into the trap of thinking, you know, that you're kind of a less than kind of a leader. That's just not even remotely true. Uh, Everyone plays a really key, important role and nobody is going to influence your team as much as you are. Nobody's going to to, you know, leverage the resources of the organization for the benefit of your team as much as you are. Nobody's going to ensure stability and, you know, a a successful, you know, and healthy culture as much as you are uh, within your team. So, you, you know, within your world within your sphere of influence you are essential and we have to remember that. Uh, So even if we're feeling, you know, we're feeling pressured from all sides, we're feeling bogged down, that is normal. And pretty much that applies to almost anyone in any managerial supervisory or leadership role, unless you happen to be, you know, the CEO at the top. And even they have to report to the board of directors. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, everyone's everyone's managing these relationships. And it's, it's always challenging and, and we need to give ourselves a break. We also need to recognize the value that we're adding um, through the roles that we play. And, and it's, it's really key and important that we all um, learn to think of ourselves as change makers, as influencers, and as leaders, even if we you know, might be inclined to think, oh, we're just kind of a lowly supervisor or you know, we're four rungs down. So we're just you know, kind of a low middle manager.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And it really is true, John, you know, I've talked to uh, people that were one step away from being the CEO. And after my discussion with them, they realized that look, okay, I'm still a middle manager. Okay, I'm upper middle. But the dynamic created by having a boss, being a boss and leading across is not that different, even for the people that are like you said, four or five, 10 runs down the organization. The dynamics that that reality of having to manage three hundred sixty degrees is a really rich territory that hasn't been written about before and studied before to the extent that I have. That's why I'm I'm so excited about uh, about this book uh, leading from the middle.
0: Very good, very good. So let's let's uh, transition now and talk a little bit more about best practices yeah. of you of bet. leading yeah. from the middle. Yeah. What what in your you research yeah. and how you framed it up in your book? What are some of those key essential best practices?
1: I'm gonna share just a few and you know, a, a, an interesting side note and I'll tell you why I'm sharing this. So, so I'm, I'm very blessed, John, that the, you know, the book comes out May 18th, but it's, uh, it's shot straight to number one on uh, Amazon and management science. And, and the reason I'm sharing that, that's not a soft pedal promotion. The reason I'm sharing that is because the feedback that I'm getting already from people that I've shared advanced copy, copies with is that, it's one thing to understand the dynamics and the problems and the unique challenges of being a middle manager which I get into a lot in leading from the middle. It's another thing to have a few crisp best practices that are very specific play-by-plays that you can follow. And that's what the book is packed with. And and I'll share just a few of some of the key ones that I've heard back from early readers that they they really find extra powerful. I'll share just a few. A general one that's pretty powerful is because you have to do so much in the middle, I found huge value in practicing the 50-50 rule, which means when you feel overwhelmed, inundated with so much to do, just stop, take a step back and say, okay, I need to spend 50% of my time on pragmatism, 50% of my time on possibilities. 50% of your time should be, okay, pragmatically, given everything that's going on, I'm going to force myself to be pragmatic. What must I focus on? What counts? What matters? What's going to move the ball forward? But at the same time, the other 50% is, What are the possibilities in this scenario of crazy things that are going on? And what research shows us is when we get over inundated, especially as middle managers, the first thing that goes are opportunities and possibilities. We're just trying to survive in the moment. We're just trying to, we get rid of our to-do list. Other people give us their to-do list. Their urgent becomes our urgent. We get lost in this flurry of activity. And when we forget, okay, my job in the middle is to be the lighthouse and draw people towards opportunities and possibilities. And if you can keep that mindset, 50% of pragmatism, 50% of possibility, here's the beauty of that, 50 plus 50 equals 100, which means you spend 0% of your time spiraling down, worrying about how overwhelmed you are, how inundated you are, and spending your time on the wrong things. So we've seen the 50-50 rule really, really help people as a simple guide, you know, guide, for crazy busy times for middle managers, right? And, and Does can that make I just—that's just, sense? That's just yeah, one absolutely. I wanted to touch on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And can I just comment on that for a moment? Yeah, please. I think we've all seen, you know, the the leaders, managers within an organization who are just constantly running around like chickens with their heads cut off, kind of in this <laughs> in this like putting out fires constantly mode, or or, or how you described it—that downward spiral of just feeling yeah. overwhelmed and yeah. pressured. You know, and, and sometimes, sometimes that is the reality they're in, but a lot of times it really is a mindset thing. And, and, and we, we can approach it from a different uh, paradigm and, and shift the way we, we deal with the pressures that we're facing. So your 50, 50 rule, I think is spot on. And I, I can think of, you know, 10 people off the top of my head that I think, you know, <laughs> would immediately see their, their quality of life improve <laughs> if they could adopt that approach.
1: I, I think so. We've seen it see to uh, seen it be very powerful. Uh, I want to I pack this episode with value for your uh, your listeners. So I'm going to share, John, if I can. Maybe one of my best tips for leading up, for leading down the organization to your employees and leading across. You cool if that's where I go now? Yeah? All right. So let me do that. Leading up. Maybe the most important thing. And just so we're clear, when I say leading up, of course, I, I'm talking about leading your boss or leading your boss's boss. Leading their thinking, influencing them, right? Because we all want to do that. We don't just want to be order takers. Maybe the most important thing, and I I get into this, you know, I have a very specific six-step process I talk about leading from the middle, the managing up staircase. You take it one step at a time. But one of the most important things is you have to get crystal clear with your boss on what's expected. And I know that sounds obvious, but John, check this out. We did research with now, now we're all, we're up to almost 300 boss subordinate pairs. And we engage with them to find out and sense how well do they really understand what's expected of each other. In 80% of the 81% to be precise, 81% of the cases, there were material breaches of understanding of what was expected, both ways. So the odds are, and you being an HR probably know this, the odds are you think you understand what your boss wants from you. The odds are you really don't. So one very powerful you can, tool you can do, and I think your, your, uh, your followers can imagine this mentally. Imagine a simple chart. I call it the good to great chart. We're in one column, you know, you list out, uh, let's, let's use leadership as a metric that's important. I'll just pick leadership. You ask your boss, okay, boss, what does good leadership look like to you? Let's talk about the definition. And you agree to a definition, you write it down. Got it. What does great leadership look like to you? And then you talk that and you write it down and then you have, they have them side by side. And what happens, John, is we're not used to thinking about things that way. It forces the leader, your boss, to articulate what he or she is really looking for. And it stops the imprecise language. It, it, it stops that. It says, oh, okay, this is good. This is great. If you want to get to great, you know, here's the next benefit it produces. You're now, oh, I see what you mean, boss, by great. You've written it down. It's now very clear. Okay, I need help getting to great. I think I need training. I want training. I'm making this up on public speaking and and strategic thinking and and analysis. Okay, now you have an individualized learning plan as well. So we have found doing the good to great grid and forcing that discussion around the language of good versus the language of great performance. So whatever performance metric you want is incredibly powerful we're getting aligned on expectations. And that's the first that Right. Does that make sense? Is that consistent with what you've learned in the HR field, John?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Very quickly on leading down, uh, I'm going to go with the biggest question that I get by far. And maybe you probably see this in in the HR space as well, John. When people say, okay, I'm a new new manager now of others. First thing they ask is, how do I give feedback? So maybe that's the most important gift you can give your employee to manage down is to get good at it. And the rules are very simple. You got to be specific, right? My grandpa used to say white bread ain't nutritious. And what you know? It applies to feedback. If it's bland, generic feedback, no, that's not going to work. You got to think of feedback as whole grain, nutritious, packed with nutrition to help people grow. It has to be sincere, the feedback. If it comes from the heart, it sticks in the mind. It has to be calibrating, meaning... You have to provide context to it. So, you know, John, let's say I'm giving you feedback and I would either say, okay, John, you know, with this podcast at your stage in life, the feedback I'm giving you, it's you should feel good about it. It's right. You know, there's nothing wrong with what you need to improve upon. It's right where you need to be in this life cycle of you developing the podcast. Or I need to say like, wow, John, I'm telling you this about your podcast and you really got to pull it together because you're going to fall behind, right? You got to, you got to be very clear and calibrating on what that feedback means to the individual. By the way, because if you don't, they'll spiral right to the worst case scenario with it if you don't clarify for that. Uh, a couple of other things, you know, you gotta be, uh, when it comes to feedback, you have to be proportionate. People generally do more good things than bad. And our research shows that in general, for every one piece of corrective feedback, you wanna give five pieces of positive feedback. That's the way the human brain is wired. You have to be timely after the fact feedback, as a matter of fact feedback, and you have to be tailored right you have to find out how the person likes to receive feedback and I, in my experience in life down has been there's three kinds of people on the earth the first kind like to receive feedback direct give me the bad stuff the corrective stuff right up front or i can't listen to the rest of it that's me right like until you tell me that i can't concentrate and enjoy the good stuff you're going to tell me the second kind are people that want the compliment sandwich give me something really nice tell me something nice about what i'm doing then give me the bad stuff then tell me the the nice stuff again right then the third kind are the people who say they want the first type, but they really want the second kind. They want the compliments So, So how do you find out? You ask. Very powerful thoughts for managing down in an organization, right? Is that, does that make sense, John? Is that, yeah, that what you thought to be
0: true? Yeah, absolutely. And you made a comment a moment ago that I think is worth noting. If you don't get specific with the feedback that you're providing and you're not clear in, in how you communicate, uh, people do tend to either spiral down and kind of assume the worst or, and there's a, so this is a smaller subset of people, but there are people who just, they think they're amazing. And, and, and if you don't get specific, you know, they're going to continue to think they're amazing and uh, that everything they do is, you know, like stardust and unicorns and rainbows. So we really, we're doing everyone a disservice when we're not getting Clear and specific, and doing everything that you just described—that's absolutely essential to making sure that uh, that we have meaningful feedback. And to your point, just ask people how they prefer to be communicated with. That's everyone's so everyone's different, and we can't assume, you know, that all men want it this way, all women want it this way. What you know, whatever we can we can slice and dice and stereotype people. You know, <laughs> just ask them how they prefer to have that communicated. And uh, and most of the time that will then allow you to to be more successful.
1: That's right. They'll be stunned that you asked probably, John, right? It's probably the case Uh, because I promised your listeners something across, up, down, and across. That's what middle managers do. I'll touch very quickly on a, a best tip for managing across. And what I'm talking about here, especially in the middle, right? Sometimes, John, we have to influence people over that don't report to us. We have no authoritative right over them. But when you're in the middle, you still have to, you know, influence with your personality not your position power and so in the book i talk about um something very powerful that i call the golden rule of influence so let me we'll do a very quick test john john i want you to think of somebody in your life that had a lot of influence over you but you didn't report to them okay so it could be at work for sure it could be in life you know they just they were really influential but they they just you know it's and let's stay in the, the work arena for now but you didn't report to them the odds are they were so influential because of the golden rule of influence. They cared. They listened. They gave you something or they taught you something. Are any of those four true of that person that you have in mind?
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All four. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All four.
1: And that's what we find. So people wonder, how can I influence people that don't report to me? if you're caring about them, if you're listening, if you're giving, if you're teaching, just like the other people in your life that have had that impact on you because of those behaviors, I promise you, you'll be able to influence across the organization as well. The golden rule of influence.
0: Well, I love that. Um, Scott, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. I really appreciate all the insights you shared and and the the sneak peek into your book. Uh, I And I really encourage listeners to, to uh, to check that out. Before we close today, I did want to give you it one last chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you. Um, you know where they can find your book and anything else you would like to share, and, and just final comments on the topic for today.
1: You bet. Uh, for, for you can find my book "Leading from the Middle" by Scott Moutz, M A U T Z just at, at Amazon by googling that, or you can go to my website Scott Mautz dot com s-c-o-t-t-m-a-u-t-z dot com and john i put together a a giveaway for your listeners today if they go to scottmouts.com forward slash free tools no spaces in between that free tools scottmouts.com forward slash free tools i have a a 30 page companion workbook for free setup that goes along with leading from the middle for them some people really like to fill in the blank do multiple questions that helps them to learn content better It accompanies the book, Leading from the Middle, and they get free access to my complete leadership and self-leadership toolkit, which is jammed with free tools for them to lead more powerfully from the middle. So that's scottmeltz.com forward slash free tools. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today, John. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you so much, Scott. It has been a pleasure. I've enjoyed the conversation as well. And I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Scott can do for you, check out his book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.